0: I'll never be more
1: loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you. trophy to make you cry I'll never be more loved than I am right now Ooh. going through a
2: storm-
3: Are you new here? Have you been here a while but wondered who we really are? In this church you'll find real people excited about the mission God has for them. You'll find meaning and direction in a true community of believers. You'll find life experiences shared and stories worth remembering. You'll find giving and serving in real relationships. You'll find passionate worshipers growing better together. You'll find laughter and tears and people taking chances. But ultimately, you'll find true belonging and purpose in the one who made you. In this church, we believe that your life was never meant to be lived alone and that love can write your story. We are the church, the body of Christ, the hope for this world.
1: Good morning. Welcome to 1C. Please rise for our first song.
0: Doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love.
4: You may be seated, and good morning to all. Whether you are in the house or you are online, glad that you're with us to worship. Uh, a God who loves us so much, he sent his only son. Um, I know we have a couple guests here. I saw and met some of you. Uh, welcome, 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 and we'd like to get to know you. So if you would, you could text one guest to 94000, and that will let us know that you're here. Uh, you can also stop by Next Steps in the family gathering area, and uh, we'd like to meet you, greet you, and we have a gift for you, and if you are online, especially Facebook uh, Live, you could just... In the comments section, let us know you're here, and um, we'll then answer questions as you have them. We're going to have prayer time a little bit later, so if you have a prayer request, you can add those to our list by texting those to 402-242-5051. We're also going to have communion today, and uh, the Lord's Supper is a gift that God has given to his people. And at 1C, we do believe that it is bread and wine, body and blood, for the forgiveness of sins. So if that is your belief, we invite you, in fact, we encourage you to join us. So if you did not get the elements for communion, they're found in the family gathering area at the kitchen window, and you can get those maybe during the next song. That would be good. Uh, at the end of the sermon, if you are a health care worker, we invite you to come forward and uh, you'll know when that happens i'll invite you Uh, we want to celebrate you we want to pray for you we want to give thanks to god for you especially during this last covid 19 craziness so that'll be coming up um, after at the end of the sermon also next week graduates on any level we'd like to be able to celebrate you and pray for you as you get ready for your next uh, journey so at 9 or 11 we'll have you come forward next week as well, and we will celebrate you. I think that's it for announcements. May God be glorified in our worship.
0: me, Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah, you have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah, hallelujah, you're the God who fights for me.
5: boys and girls hey last week George was here and he helped us talk about this idea of of spending time up with our heavenly father and today I rode my bike in as we look at this idea of in as we grow in relationship with one another and so as we think about this let's take a look at how a wheel works so a wheel has a center and this center is called a hub and the hub is where all the action is. That's where the power happens. But then it has spokes that takes that energy and that power out to the rims and to the tires so that bikes can go, you can pedal, you can travel around your neighborhood, have fun riding on dirt through mud. Um, but you know what? These spokes are really spread out, aren't they? But as they get closer to the hub, they actually get a lot closer together. And they even cross and they overlap and they connect together which makes it a lot stronger so that these tiny little spokes can do what they need to do. Well, if we think about ourselves uh, as disciples of Jesus in our life of following Jesus, we can think about ourselves through this wheel. So we have a hub, we have a center, don't we? And that center is Jesus because we are followers of Jesus. So he is the center of our life, center of our faith, and we are the spokes and we're connected with Jesus and we're also connected out into this world. And just like these spokes are spread out, right, but they're a lot closer as they get to the center, we as followers of Jesus, as we grow closer to Jesus, we also grow closer to each other so that those connections are made, relationships are developed, we grow in love for one another, our love for Jesus, so that as we're connected to Jesus and connected to the world, his love flows through us out into the world so that movement can happen and great things can happen. And you know what? John chapter 13, verse 35 tells us, tells us that... um, let me remember this. <laughs> it says, for everyone, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we are supposed to love one another as we love Jesus. And as we do, everybody will get to see his love flow through us. Will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands, bow our heads, and you can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, help us to love you more and help us to love each other so other people can see this love and know that it comes from you. Amen. Boys and girls, so as you're out riding your bike this summer, remember how much Jesus loves you and remember that we are connected to Jesus, connected to each other, and we are stronger together and get to share his love with others.
3: When the best of me is barely breathing, when I'm not somebody I'm leaving, hold on to me. When I miss the light, the night is stolen, when I'm slamming all the doors you've opened, hold on to me.
4: The Bible teaches us many things. One thing we find in 1 John, we're told this. If we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Bible gives us direction. And so I'd like to give us a moment to take a moment to confess our sins before God and before each other, and then be reminded that in Jesus we have forgiveness. So I'd like to ask for the, uh, the prayer to be up on the screen, and let's share this prayer out loud together. We pray. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his only son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. That's known as the gospel. That is known as the good news. So may that good news of God's love for you in Jesus uh, give you forgiveness today, but also the power to live out our lives to the glory of God and to bless others, amen.
1: sin and a
4: About a hundred years ago, that was written. But the message is for today. His faithfulness, His love, His grace, His mercy for people like you and me. Much needed and much appreciated. And we experience that grace and mercy, that faithfulness in this beautiful gift of Holy Communion. So I'd like to ask you now to please take the elements out, and I'm going to share the scripture where we have the instruction regarding communion, and then I'll invite you to take each element individually. We find in the scripture these words, our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, and after he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would, take the bread and take and eat This is the body of Christ given for you. Then if you would, take the wine or the juice and take and drink the blood of Jesus shed for you. And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you steadfast In the one true faith to life everlasting, depart in peace. Amen.
6: God, we offer the following prayers to you through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a prayer for Violet, who is in kindergarten, and she has blood cancer. Please lay your healing hands on her and her family. God, we have a continued prayer for Casey Thornton. We pray for continued healing. Lord, I pray for healing for my mother-in-law who had bypass surgery this week. Please comfort the family and her and show them the Holy Spirit and peace of knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayers for my wife who is struggling with her new chemo treatments. We pray that she may find peace and comfort in the hands of the Lord. A prayer for our 21-year-old daughter having serious struggles, we ask you give her wisdom for her and for us as her parents. We please pray that I find a job and a place to live for this coming school year so I can support my daughter. Prayers for a friend who is in need of a new kidney. We pray that God may provide for his needs. A prayer so that I can get a job here in Columbus, so I can also do my CNA classes and finish them. God, we thank you for listening to all these prayers. We now pray the prayer your Son Jesus Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory
4: forever and ever. Amen. Amen. we continue a series entitled Community Matters. And we're talking about different aspects of what does community look like? For people like you and me, especially in light of the world that we live in and the different things that we encounter. So today, as we call these the environmental projectors, um, we're gonna talk about learning together. Good topic. I wanna give you uh, a little storyline first. Uh, Randy Longacre, for those of you that don't know him, he is an SMP vicar. And you're thinking, what is SMP? specific ministry pastor. So he is on this journey, a four-year journey of learning and uh, and serving. And I get the privilege of every Friday, it's kind of a privilege, I should probably back up with that. If you know him, you probably know what I mean by that. Um, but we, we get to go over the materials that he's covering and we, we talk about it. And there's questions for the mentor and we go back and forth. Well, he's in a class entitled something like the Meta-Narrative. And you're thinking, what is that? How many of you have ever heard the phrase Meta-Narrative? Okay. This is what the Meta-Narrative is all about. It's the story of God intersecting with humanity. So the Meta-Narrative is this. There is a God, all-powerful, almighty, who created the heavens and the earth with just his mouth, right? He said, let there be. Everything went great. He, he, he created man in his own image, uh, sin came into the world, death came into the world, but then God made a promise. And that promise we see in Genesis 3.15, it's that first gospel promise. And then from Genesis 3.15, throughout the entire Old Testament, we see this promise being unfolded and being revealed. So then we get to when Jesus was born in Bethlehem as a babe. God incarnate, right? God made flesh. And this Jesus lived a perfect life and at the age of 33 and a half he goes into Jerusalem and he's got a goal in mind. And it was to ultimately be on a cross and suffer and die and pay for the sins of the world. Then he was going to be placed into a tomb and then he's going to, on the third day, rise again. And then he goes into heaven, he ascends into heaven, and he makes a promise that he's going to come back. And now we're waiting for that. That's the meta-narrative, right? And it's the storyline of God's activity. It's his activity with people like you and me, and people over the ages. And so what we find in that story, a couple things, some beautiful things about who God is and how much he loves people like you and me. Now, if you remember, and if you were here last week, I talked about a couple words that describe this kind of relationship, right? Um, The word religion, uh, when I ask people this question, I get different different answers, I also get different looks. How many religions are there in the world is the question. And there are times when I could see people doing the calculation in their head. They may say 100 or 200 or 1,000 or whatever, And then usually I get this like moment like, no, you're you're telling me no. My answer, how many religions in the world? Two. What? Christian, non-Christian. Now there's lots of denominations and we'll get into that. But the dividing line between Christian and non-Christian is this. Who is Jesus and what did he do? If he is the Son of God, who suffered, died, and rose again for the sins of the world, for my sins, you're on that side. You're on the Christian side. If you say anything different about Jesus than that, then you're on the other side. Now, in that, within Christianity, there's so many different denominations. So that's probably what people are thinking when they think about religions. But that's one way to describe this this thing between God and us. It is a religion. But then we also talked about the fact that it's really a relationship, God-loving mankind. In fact, the original covenant that God made with his people was this, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's a relationship, right? Back and forth. And what we see throughout history, God always is faithful on his end of the relationship he always loving mankind always providing for mankind he is always doing that and then mankind sometimes responds back as his people that's really the storyline so as i was talking to a friend of mine about those two words and her concern for this next generation and saying well how do we how do we communicate this how do we communicate it better because like her view is that the word relationship can be so understood differently by so many people, right? We can have relationships that are long-distance relationships. We can have social media relationships. We can have, I mean, lots of different ways to describe it. And so she was pressing on me saying, how do we communicate this to this next generation? And maybe even, how do we communicate it better to our generation?" And so she went, she said, just try to think of an R word, because it works really well. Religion, relationship, and what's the R word? Anybody remember what it was from last week? Okay, because I have a great big Snickers bar up here, but I guess you don't want it. Just kidding. The word reliance. Reliance. And I'm thinking, I like this. I really like it, because I think it really... speaks to this idea of a relationship, um, not a long-term distance relationship, not an off-and-on relationship, but it's this, this sense of, I just, I need, I need you. And I came across a Bible verse that, I, that I, I know I've read before, but it never hit me the way it hit me as I prepared for last week. And it comes from Isaiah 33, verse 6, this is just the second part of verse 6, and it goes like this. The fear of the Lord is a treasure. Think about what a treasure is. Think about maybe your experience with the word treasure. What are some things that you treasure in life? Um, I have this ongoing joke with my wife. There was a point of time when she said to me, wouldn't it be kind of neat if we had like pet names for each other? And I said, okay, I got one. How about precious? And then the way I said it, you got to remember, if you watch like The Hobbit, my precious. And she immediately, I think, got sick. You know, she was like, you know, don't use that. So I can't use that word and without a, her turning the other way. But think about what happens when you find a treasure um, and there's precious metals in there that the world would say is really precious, right? A pirate finding this box and these precious gold medallions, right, that are in there. And it's like, wow, there's such value. But all of those pale in comparison to the treasure that Isaiah is talking about. On my Facebook feed, I was looking at um, mansions. You know, sometimes it pops up with these things, and I was watching, looking at um, pictures of some of these mansions that are gigantic, with bowling alleys, basketball courts, movie theaters, bedrooms, I mean, galore, bathrooms galore, and millions or a billion-dollar mansion, all right? Can you imagine that? pales in comparison to the treasure that Isaiah's is getting at. The treasure that he's getting at, you can't put a value to it. Our minds cannot comprehend what's wrapped up in this. Because again, this is, this is the, the treasure that comes from the heart of God for people like you and me. He moved heaven and earth in order to bring salvation and eternity for you and for me. And you can't put a price tag on it. And everything on this earth is going to pale in comparison. So when you see this phrase, the fear of the Lord is a treasure, please don't shortchange it. I want you to have this God-sized picture of how incredible and life-changing it is. It is a treasure beyond understanding. So Isaiah says, the fear of the Lord is a treasure. Now, fear is not like Hollywood tries to teach you, right? Fear is you see a scary movie and you kind of get a shiver down your spine and you're all upset. That's not the kind of fear that Isaiah is getting at. So I gave you uh, three words to kind of hold on to that I think really help us understand the word fear. The sense of awe and wonder. If if you've had those moments where your jaw drops when you see something and it's like, right? That's awe. Or the idea of reverence. When you come into the presence of somebody who is great, there is to be a moment of of reverence, maybe even a bow. And then, you know, I I use the word submissiveness, big word, many syllables. Same thing as trust, all right? Where you're going to totally trust trust. So here's the concept I want to give you today in light of our learning together. And this is it. When we fear the Lord, it will dramatically affect all of our relationships. Just look at it again. When we fear the Lord, it will dramatically affect all our relationships. Now, what does fear the Lord look like? What does that mean? Yeah, awe, reverence, trust. I would like to say this. Fearing the Lord is very much like keeping the first commandment. Anybody know what the first commandment is? Just a summary of it. What is it? Yeah, you shall have no other gods before me. So that's ultimately what fearing the Lord means. It means you put him number one. He is number one. And I say this with all passion that I can. When we keep the first commandment, okay, it affects everything. In fact, when I talked to the Compromands and I asked the question, and and you could see him wrestle with this, (laughs) I asked, if we keep the first commandment, a.k.a. fear of the Lord, right? If we keep the first commandment, how many other commandments would we break? And you could see them wrestling with it, going through some of the commandments. And then my response is this. If we keep God, number one, if we fear the Lord all the time, all the other commandments would stay intact. Now just think about them, right? The commandments that talk about um, honoring mother and father, or honoring those in authority, um, about stealing or protecting people's property, or um, marriage, or sex outside of marriage. I mean, we, all of those things would be kept intact if we kept the first commandment always. But because we don't keep the first commandment, it's like a domino effect. And here's what I'm going I'm to say. If you, if you, if you look around, you see that the world we live in struggles with fearing the Lord. Right? Our country. I'm going I'm to say it. 59 years old now. I've been watching this for 59 years. I think we fear the Lord less now than ever in my lifetime. In other words, we don't put God number one and we see it evidence, right? In the first service, we had a, a prayer for stuff that's taking place in the Middle East. I think because we don't fear the Lord, there's all this stuff going on that's really sad. And then we could bring it really close to home, right? I believe the fear of, of lack, lack of the fear of the Lord affects marriages. It affects parenting it affects working relationships, it affects our neighboring, it affects schools, it affects lots of things. So I'm going I'm to put that in front of you. And I think it, it needs to begin with me, it needs to begin with you. We need to ask God, give me the faith so I can fear you the way you want me to fear you. And then watch how things will change. Well, we're going to now touch on this in light of learning together, and Paul's going to touch on this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And if you've been to a wedding, you may have heard this verse or this portion of a longer section. Ephesians 5, 21. If you can advance it, please. It's not advancing on my prompt. All right, Um, I'll read it for you. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Whenever I do pre-marriage counseling, I give a a big long list of all the Bible verses you can pick and choose for your wedding day. And there's some in there that you've probably been to a wedding when 1 Corinthians 13 was read. Love is patient. Love is kind. I mean, gives you a warm fuzzy. But when I share the Ephesians 5 verse, when it talks about submitting, and then it goes a little further after verse 21. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And during that moment, I usually see the guy sitting up straight and the gal kind of shaking her head like this going, oh, and I don't think. I don't, maybe they're not thinking this, but I could picture the guy going like, let's make a wedding banner out of that verse. <laughs> because that is such, that's God's word. We got to live by it. And then I take them a little further. I say, hold on before you get too excited. It goes a little later and says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And then usually there's a blank look. You know, guys, we're a little clueless. I said, Jesus was willing to die for the church. So my little sermon usually at a premarriage counseling, I'll say, I think Paul is saying it's the same thing. It means to submit, it means to trust, it means to be willing to give your life for this other person. To me, this is the story. This is what God is calling. And um, let me just see if this is now going to work. I'm going to give you, there we go. All right, submit. This is my definition. I don't know if it's your definition, but I'm up here and you're there, so you just have to take what I give you. (laughs) Submit equals taking one's proper role in God's order and laying aside one's selfish interests. So maybe you have a different definition, but for me, this is what submitting is. It's not being a doormat. Please throw that out. It doesn't mean you let people come up and wipe their feet on you, but it is understanding one's proper role in God's order and laying aside one's selfish interests. Now, in this chapter 5 and then getting into chapter 6 of Ephesians, Paul is trying to teach this, and he uses two really common relationships that are out there one of them is marriage, and one of them is parenting. Just think of what it would mean and what it would look like if, if in marriage and in parenting, and then you can translate into all other areas of life, if we understood and took one's proper role in God's order and laying aside one's selfish interests. And, and I'll tell you, when I, get, when I do marriage counseling, I, I hear all sorts of things that happen. I'll tell you what I think often gets in the middle of everything is a lack of submitting, yeah, right, but pride, sin. That sin of pride that just kind of creeps in and gets really ugly looking. So I would like to introduce four concepts, four attitudes, four actions, four activities that we can do that starts with me, starts with you into the world that we live in, and then watch how this will change relationships. So the very first one is affirming each other's worth. First Thess- Thessalonians chapter five, brothers and sisters, appreciate those who work hard among you who lead you in the Lord and teach you. Affirm. Affirm. Do you know why we struggle with affirming? This is I'll put the hat on as counselor for a second. One of the reasons why we struggle with affirming is that we take what we value and we put it on other people. And if they don't value what we value, they are less than human. I'm going to give you an example. Jim Thielen, 7 p.m. means, who can help me with this? 7 p.m. It's not, it's not an option. And yet, if you talk to my wife, Kristen, she's here. She knows I'm using the illustration. 7 p.m. is a suggestion. And here's what, what goes on here. And you got to know I'm, I'm sharing my sin here. Is that, let's say, we have something that we need to be at at 7 p.m., I'll just say sometimes it's, it's my pride, it's whatever. I want to pull in, I want to be right here at 7 p.m., and I want to be ready for whatever. But let's say we're getting ready to leave, and one of the children needs to eat, or needs help with homework, or has something going on in their world. My loving wife, who demonstrates it probably better than I more often, We'll give them the time of day. When I'm sitting there thinking 7 p.m. means 7 p.m., so here's the scoop. To affirm literally means to appreciate other people's values, even if they're not yours. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, there's two buttons that we can push, right? There's the affirmation button, the one that says I value who you are and what God has made and the things that are important to you. And you can go up there and you can go up there and go like this and just touch that. That's the affirmation button. And then I'm going to call it the easy button because of the commercial that used to be. You can go up and you can push this button that is critical, negative. And I'll just say it's the easier button to push. It's really big, and it's red, and it's so available at any time. And if we think of what Paul says, appreciate those who work among you, who lead you in the Lord, and teach you. My, my encouragement for you and for me is that we do a better job affirming. I remember there was a, a pastor in, in uh, Illinois that said this. You need to affirm somebody 10 times before you could criticize them once. Oh, my goodness, would that be tough at times. But can you imagine if we, the body of Christ, would be affirming? All right, second one, very important one, praying for each other's growth. Ephesians 3, Paul says, I pray you'll be able to feel and understand how long, wide, deep, and high Christ's love really is, and to experience this love for yourselves. To pray for people. And here's the, the, maybe the challenge. Can you, the people that you are in agreement with, it's probably easier to pray with them. But the people that you struggle with, that's tough. And can you imagine if our focus is not to correct them, not to put them down, but rather pray that they would understand and to uh, it says feel and understand how long, wide, deep, and high Christ's love really is and to experience this love for yourselves. Can you imagine if that was our heartbeat with the person at work that just really irritates you? Or maybe a neighbor? Or maybe a classmate? I think it's a, it's a gift that we can utilize anytime in any place. This one probably should have been before the other one, but it's not. Admitting our own mistakes. You know, we did that earlier with the confession. If we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins. Well, in Ephesians 4, it says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So I think that moment, that the very important moment, when we are honest about ourselves, our sin, our shortcomings, our rebellion, and just be humble. Okay? Humility will push out pride. All right? And if we think about this idea of fearing the Lord, it really means understanding who He is and understand who we are and our need for Him in our life. And then the last one is to encourage each other's commitment. Romans 1 verse 12, Then too I need your help, for I want not only to share my faith with you, but to be encouraged by yours. Each of us will be a blessing to the other. What if... What if we start, started seeing our calling is to be an encourager for others? You might have a son or daughter at home or a parent that is at um, an assisted living and your job, your calling is to encourage them in their life with the Lord. Lord. And that is what makes your heart beat faster, is to be an encourager. So just picture all the four of these being played out in your life with people that God has put into your circle of influence. Can you imagine what it would be like if we would appreciate, pray, maybe confess our own sin and our failure, and then encourage I think that's really what was going on with the early church. Last week I had the entire section. This time I, had ju- I have just verse 44. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. So that was the beginning of the church. And then we have Paul you know, writing to this, this church in Ephesians. He says, We are to grow up in every way unto, into him, who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I'm thinking about this in light of um, our healthcare workers. So I'd like at this time to have you come forward. If you are serving in the healthcare field in any capacity, please come forward and just stand up here if you would. And as you do that, Um, I just love the way God works. God uses people like you to be a blessing and an encouragement in our life. And this last year in particular, when the world got turned upside down with something called COVID-19 and there were new protocols all the time and they were moving as science was trying to figure this out, you We're trying to figure it out too, and you just kept stepping into this. And I, you know, I know some of you. You told me your story about wearing all the stuff that you had to wear with what you were doing. Um, Remarkable, remarkable. And so we want to celebrate you as part of the body of Christ that makes a difference, an important difference. So I want to pray a blessing, and then I'm going to ask everyone else to show their appreciation too. But just a a prayer blessing on you as you continue to serve and make a difference. Lord Jesus, thank you again. You, you, um, you know our world better than we do. You understand the complexity of it. You understand the risk part of it. You understand what we've just gone through for the last 14, 15 months. You also know these servants up here. Thank you. Thank you for their willingness to serve, even through unprecedented, unchartered, and very uncertain times. Thank you for keeping them safe and we pray for your blessing to be with them as they continue to serve and thank you for the way in which they have demonstrated for this entire world what it means to love. So thank you and may your blessing be upon them as they go forward from here uh, serving you and making a difference and we pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. I'd like to invite you all to stand and let's show our appreciation to them for all that they have done. And just say, everyone, where you're at, I'm going to share the blessing. This is the blessing that God gives to his people because he loves us so much. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. You may go back and we conclude as we sing.
5: No!
1: Today
2: it all begins I'm seeing my life for the very first time Through a different lens Yesterday I didn't understand Driving 35 with a rocket inside Didn't know what I had been waiting to live my life's been waiting on me i'm going try